Hey everyone, welcome to Podcast In Death, the podcast where we discuss the In-Death series of books by J.D. Robb. I'm AJ. I'm Jen. And with us today we have Rebecca. And, <laughs> and this is episode number two of Podcast In Death, where we discuss Naked and Death. And Rebecca's re uh, read Naked and Death for the first time. And maybe you should give us your overall impression of the book. Um, you know, it was very slow for me in the beginning. I had a difficult time getting into it. Uh, new characters, new series for me um, generally is that way for me. But uh, about, I'm going to say about halfway through, it definitely started to pick up for me. And uh, became very interesting, page turning uh, to the point where I, I was surprised. I really didn't expect uh, to get as into it as I, I did towards the end. So, well, that's awesome. Overall, it was it was great. I loved it. Well, that's, that's very good. positive. <laughs> Thank goodness, because like I said before, I've given it to people before, and they're like, "No, no, can't do it." <laughs> So, no, I, I really, I, again, I, I mean, it, it's kind of my genre anyway, but it, uh, it definitely felt uh, familiar in kind of an unfamiliar way, I guess is the best way to put it. I felt right. comfortable in the setting. I felt comfortable with the uh, characters uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know them better. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was, it was positive for me when you said you were a castle fan. Oh, I love because, castle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me as well. <laughs> because that's okay. been a big discussion among the fandom of, you know, whether or not some of Castle was was a little bit stolen from the In Death series. I don't know if that's true, but uh, that was kind of the, the speculation. There are, there are elements. I don't think anything was maybe stolen. I think there are elements that are similar. Right. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I From what I'm getting, I mean, just... Obviously, I've only read the one book, but um, just from what I'm seeing, I, I can see the relation between the two. And I definitely feel the, um, you know, the kind of storyline that that Castle would do as well. Uh, but I, I feel like the relationships are different. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. Very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were a few cases once you get into the series a little bit farther, there's a few cases that are similar too. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, relationship wise, I think they're, they're very different, but the characters are somewhat, especially, especially Beckett and Dallas are very, they're very similar characters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Castle's a little bit different from Rourke, but. Oh yeah. He's but, a lot different from Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a lot different than Rourke. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. I, but well, and I didn't expect their relationship to go forward as quickly um, sure. because, you know, especially in Castle, their relationship didn't happen until like towards the end. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> season, yeah. Season four. Right. Right. Yeah. So and yeah. Well, ultimately, you know, this is this is a Nora Roberts book. So, yeah, it's I gonna mean, <laughs> yeah, it's going to go quickly, you know. I mean, if you really need the sex part, you, you could have done that. Well, I, prostitution. Do. I don't know about anybody. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, 
I need the sex part, but I'm I don't I don't know about everybody. But um <laughs> just saying, you know, if you need that romantic part of it or that sexual part it. of it. She has a valid point. I agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I enjoyed it, of course, because I, yeah, I'm with you. I like the sex too, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I get, I totally completely understand what you're saying. You, you got three women here that are obviously going to say, yes, we like the sex part. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Let's be honest. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I and what I was thinking about, cause you were saying it was it, when we talked before that it was hard for you to get into it first. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it's that way with any everybody. I I can't remember when I first read it to be honest with you because it was so long ago. But um, I mean, those first few chapters and maybe why it seemed like it was um, taking a long time to get anything going. It's you know maybe because those first chapters really have a lot of work to do. You know. Because they're not only establishing the characters and the character relationships um, and the plot, the murder mystery part of it, but it's also world building. Right. I completely agree with that. I, I, and I know that's why it kind of went slow in the beginning. Um, there's a lot to, to try and establish. You know, I don't know that she intended for this to be a series all along. I don't know the history of it, so I'm not sure. But if she did not intend for it to be uh, in a series, then you've got to establish all that in one book. It so you've was, only got you've got a limited amount of time. It was intended to be a, at least three books. A trilogy, yeah. It was a yes, but um, she wanted she the goal was for it to be a long term series. She had always she said she had always wanted to um, be able to explore not only you know, Dallas's career, but she wanted to explore a marriage, um, which spoiler alert, they do get married. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, but so, yes, the, you know, originally she was contracted for three books. So, right. and then after that, you know, so if you're going to have, if you're going to have a storyline that's going to happen within a three book range, You've got a lot to establish when you're considering you're in the future. You have to consider all of the aspects of that future world that you're creating. Right. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, I think that's and I kind of think that's why she used 20th century weapons and things like that in this particular book, because it was it was more familiar and it probably helped to establish things faster for her. Like she didn't have to go into the laser weapon you know, because she yeah. knew, okay, that people are going to be familiar with a gun, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. I think point. that, yeah, that, that's all part of the world building. Right. I thought, I think that it was really smart how she did that because, you know, yeah, you want to establish a, a futuristic world and how she did it was, first of all, she, the victim was a, a prostitute, which in this world is a licensed companion. Correct. So she's taking something that in our world is is illegal and not very mainstream and now making it legal and mainstream, right? But still not accepted. Mm, I don't know if that's the case. 
Well, I mean, the whole, a lot of the plot had to do with uh, the senator trying to pass his right. bill on morals, yeah. right? Yeah, I, 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 I do generally... I agree with you, because even, even Dallas is kind of snarky about, about prostitutes. prostitutes. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I agree with you on that. I think that, yeah, it's not, I mean, it's legal, and it might be accepted more than it is now. But there's still those people that absolutely, you know, disagree with it and frown upon it and, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I agree with that. You know, and then she takes the the mode of murder being the gun, which in our world is something that is legal and very, you know, prevalent. Yes, that's the right word. and you, from the very beginning, you see that it's in this world, it's not legal and it's not very uh, widely used. It, it's it's talked about as an antique. Yeah. Right. You know, and then that first that first part of the book, you know, she and Feeney are talking about it and like, when is the last time you saw one? And I think for Eve, it was like, you know, ten years prior, and for Feeney, it was like fifteen years prior. So. But I think that all goes toward world building. Well, and then, and then on top, I mean, the on top of that, I guess is the be, the best way to put it would be, even though they'd seen them, they hadn't really handled them either. Right. So Eve had they had that whole uh, section where Eve goes to Rourke's and they do the shooting um, with the virtual reality um, type equipment and so that was kind of intermingling the two kind of adjusting you to the world i think with a familiar and an unfamiliar right yeah 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 um okay so um i guess at this point maybe we should talk about eve as a character because she's the main character here and and how she's been you know um established in the book yeah Mm -hmm. um what what things in the book established her as a character? What was your first impression, or what is your general impression after the first book of Eve in general? Rebecca, that's to you. That's to me. Um, I know what Jen's impression is. Oh. You know, until they got to the part uh, kind of explaining her past, um, and I not I'm not sure how much, I mean, I'm assuming that this recording is for people that are more, um, have actually read the books. And so we're not going to be doing any spoiler here, but if it's major, we'll, we'll say ahead of time. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the, I think the history uh, of Eve, uh, spoke a lot to me. Um, I didn't really have a sense of her, uh, it was kind of, you know, that mystery of her until, you know, pretty much until the end of the book. You you know, they talk about it being a secret, but until she has that dream with her uh, about her father abusing her, um, it, it's a mystery. And then I kind of had sympathy, you know, up until that point, I kind of felt like she was standoffish and um, wasn't really enjoying her character so much, I guess. Uh, because I felt like she was basically putting everybody off, you know. Um, and I know it was, a, I mean, now after reading that, now I feel like, okay, it's a 
that's a protection mechanism she's using for a very valid reason. Not something I can necessarily relate to, but something that I understand completely. And so that completely changed my view of her um, as a whole. Um, And that's pretty much exactly how I felt the first time I read it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, had, I had a little bit of exposure to her because I had read a different book before yeah. I read Naked, but yeah. and I knew she got a little bit. I guess softer would be the word, um, but yeah, 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 and and her and her willingness to let Rourke in, um, you know, um, that's that also helps obviously because you see she's she's not so hard. She's not willing to. Um, except help uh, to, I mean, she's, she's snarky about it, but I happen to be a snarky person myself. So it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is um, that I, I have said before that I am a big fan of the audiobooks. And, you know, Jen is not necessarily as big a fan as I am of the audiobooks. I love the audiobooks. That's an understatement. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I so fangirl over over Susan Erickson. You can't even. But um, and it's because a lot of people have said, yeah, oh, she's like horrible and standoffish. And she's I, I hate her character. You know, and they're not reading her like I'm reading her. I, I got that impression from other people like you're not reading her like I'm reading her. But Susan Erickson reads her like I read her. Like very snarky, very sarcastic. Yeah, I com- I completely get that. And like I said, being that kind of person myself, um, that was appealing to me, to be honest with you, um, because you know I can relate to that. So it makes it relatable. And you know everybody likes to read somebody they feel like they have a, a characteristic of. Um, it's it gives you not only insight to a different person but an insight to yourself as well of yeah I probably would have said that but now I'm now I'm reading that somebody else did it I maybe I shouldn't act that way (laughs) right maybe I shouldn't be so snarky (laughs) or maybe you should or maybe I should actually I will say that as far as Susan Erickson goes Eve is the one character of hers that I really think she does nail she does a really good job with Eve she does. She really does. And I think that if more people heard the audiobooks, more people that don't like Eve's personality, if more of those people heard the audiobooks, they would maybe it would maybe click with them like, oh, OK, you know, now I get her. And I do think, too, with Eve, I mean, you could do a character study on character development and growth with her. Right. Just throughout the series. Like, she's so, like, just the way she is developed is, it's fascinating. Well, you know what I found interesting? Because, uh, you know, I'm looking, I'm researching this show, trying to write notes down for myself for the show. And I remember the one, uh, everybody talks about the, the one scene where she's there with Nadine. And um, she thinks in her head she sees Nadine's purse. Yes. Right? Yes. And she thinks in her head that she's got a weakness for leather and bold colors. Yeah. That she could rarely indulge. 
Yeah. Right. And I was looking for that scene. Right. So I, I, in on my Kindle, this is what I love about having it on Kindle is I can like, if I want to search for something, I can search for it. Like the other days when I searched for how many times have they eaten tacos and zero times they've talked about it, but you know, not as much as they've eaten pasta or pizza, but, um, so, so you can search and there were, this is what I found fascinating, and I never realized it until now. There's at least three times in the book where she says something or thinks something about something being a weakness. And it usually had something to do with something that she saw as self-indulgent, right? Yeah. So the purse was one. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a weakness for color and, and leather, and, you know, she didn't want to indulge it. The other, the other was the coffee because when they had the coffee in in the limo, right, and then they go to the uh, airplane. The thought in her head is that she's looking at the airplane and, and like really, you know, goggle eyed at, at at the opulence, and it says about the coffee prior. A small weakness was permitted, but she didn't care for her goggle-eyed reaction to the plane. So she saw her wanting the coffee also as a weakness, self-indulgent. Yeah. Right? And later on in that scene where they're talking and he offered her a grape, um, she thought in her head, appetite was a weakness. But again, to her self-indulgent. I think I just thought that was fascinating. Like uh, all these things that, that in this book where she's using the word weakness for Eve look like they're self-indulgent things that Eve sees as weakness. Yeah. I think that goes back to her, uh, her, excuse me, her, uh, abuse. I think right. it's it's a yeah. thing from her abuse. Um, you know, when uh, when I've spoken to people who have been abused, um, that often is, is something that happens because you're deprived of things. Right. You know? um, and so anything that is not a deprivation becomes something that is indulgent. Right. That makes very good sense. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it kind of gives you a, a sadness for her. Like, and when I first read those in the beginning, I was very confused by them. Um, like why she was so down on everything that she viewed as self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I read on, and then, like I said, once I got to the part where she was abused um, and the type of abuse, it, it makes more sense to me. You know, and it, it gave me not just sympathy for her, but it made me understand her, uh, I guess, her point of view, her life view uh, better. I felt like I could understand her a little bit better. Right. Right. And the whole leather and colors thing also plays into it as far as I am concerned uh, by, you know, somebody who's been abused in that way also kind of tends to want to fade into the background and right. not stand out. Yep, absolutely. You know, so maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, leather and colors or whatever, she doesn't, she doesn't 
uh, indulge in because she's trying to kind of fade into the background. And probably why, uh, you know, Rourke being interested in her was not, you know, she didn't want any part of it at first. Because she really, she just wants to kind of fade into the background. And he is not, you know, dating somebody yeah. like that does not mean you're going to fade into the background. Absolutely not. And he wasn't letting her fade into the background either. And I think she didn't want to believe that, you know, because, you know, when you're down on yourself and you think less of yourself when your self-esteem is low, you don't think you deserve that. And I think, you know, I think there were points and, you know, up leading up to their first kiss where she kind of pointed that out even to herself, like, you know, you know, it's not the it's silly to even think about something like this. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I have another point to make. Um, this is mostly to Jen, because I don't know whether you've ever thought about this. this. is the first time I ever thought about it, but this is a spoiler. So I, you know, I mean, if people out there don't want to hear this, then they can maybe fast forward, you know, 30 seconds to a minute or whatever. I don't know I, I, if whether you want to, do you care, Rebecca? I No. I won't I won't actually say what the spoiler is, but I really want to run this by Jen and see if she gets what I'm where I'm going with this. Right. Bring it on. So after the scene in the deli where the guy with the boomer and she just wanted the, the fucking chocolate. Yeah. Right. Um, and then she goes to Rourke's and he asks her what happened because her face is all banged up and. She's, she said something about a scuffle for a, a candy bar or something like that. And she said to him, it's a mistake to get between me and food. Yes. Right? <laughs> I have thought about that multiple times over the years. Yes. So it's not just me. No. This no, is the first time I've, I've thought about that. I, I read that again this time and I was like, oh my God, that is like the best foreshadowing <laughs> the best unintentional foreshadowing because that was not going to come out right. until later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is the part where you totally lost me. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know, but I had this to get it out. Thing. It's okay. I, I, and when it comes out, I'll be like, Oh, that's what they were talking about. Right. Yeah. Nope. I've thought of that multiple times over the years. Like, oh my God, seriously. Yeah. And there's a few things in that book. Yeah. That, I mean, I was going to write them down and then I didn't, but um, that, yeah, that are, that kind of foreshadow. And, and she couldn't have known, right? No. Because none of that came out until later. No. None of what we're talking about. No. That Rebecca knows nothing about right now, but... That didn't yeah. come out till later. Mm-mm. No. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Once yeah. it hit me, I was like, oh, that is crazy. Yeah. Doesn't that make you wonder if um, Nora Roberts thought about that that particular scene when she was creating something like Oh, yeah. And that could be. That, that's absolutely possible. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, I don't and know. that was a great. Uh, that was a great scene. I mean, you have to admit that was a great. Oh scene. yeah, yeah, it's one know. of the best scenes in the book. I right. think. I, I, yeah, I, I loved that scene. That was great. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, then, favorite scenes. Besides that one. I liked when they were uh, shooting the guns. 
when she yeah. was testing the guns mm-hmm. and when, she, when how Rourke's reaction was such surprise that she handled them so well, you know, yeah. that, that I liked the interaction there. And of course, you know, the ultimate result. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, because I mean, I'm a girl and I like romance. Right. You like, know, oh. yeah. There's girls shooting guns. That's hot. That's very hot. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it's funny that he's like completely flummoxed by the fact that he's reacting this way, too. Yeah. One of the things that strikes me the most reading naked is how pissed off he is that he's got these feelings for her. Right. And, you know, because, you know, you know how work develops. And it's just, you know, yeah. it's just, it's almost yeah. jarring the difference between him and naked and then beyond because right. yeah, he is angry that he's, right. Right. that he's in love with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and okay. So if we're going to bring it up, let's just talk about it. The, the, the scene where he breaks into her apartment, which is extremely problematic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, you know, previously, but, um, you know, it's kind of the, where, you know, when the book was written is part of it, because I think things like that were in fiction were a little bit more accepted back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, they weren't acceptable ever. But, yes. <laughs> you know, back then it was seen as more of a, you know, he was just trying to help type of thing. And now you're like, seriously, he broke into her apartment and he's just sitting there waiting for her. That's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen enough movies and TV shows where that happens. So, you know, you kind of get that sitting in the dark, you know, just a shadow in the corner and she comes right. in with, you know, pulls her gun and, you know, like you could, you can almost visualize it based on whatever program or movie you've seen that had a similar scene in it. Right. Uh, but definitely problematic and, and her reaction, you know, <laughs> how pissed off she was about it. It was just annoyance. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh my God, you're a creeper. Get out. I don't ever want to see you again. It was like, oh my God, really? Really? It was like that. Yeah. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Right. Yeah. Well, she was pretty pissed, though. I she mean, was like, pissed. She was yelling at him, and she kind of, like, she was pulling away from him in the, you know, first. Right. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed about Rourke in this one, too, is how pushy he is. Yeah. Not only is he angry, he's pushy. And he, you know, he's kind of pushy all the way through. I mean, let's, right. be, let's be honest. He's, he's just kind of that arrogant, pushy guy. Right. But, um... It's it's almost in a good way later, right? But now, well, like in this particular book, it's almost like, dude, you gotta back off just a little bit. Yeah. Like, well, we did talk about like the time that it was written in. So this was exactly. 1995. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of Nor- Nora's characters at that time were the same. Like I specifically oh, yeah. are thinking of again. Sorry, Rebecca. We're going to fangirl on Nora a little bit right now. Um, so uh, I'm specifically thinking of um, the Stanislavski book. Oh, with yeah. Mikhail, the Russians. With, with yeah. Mikhail. Where, I love Mikhail. Right, right. I love Russians. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I give me Eastern Europeans all day. I, yeah. But. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. 
Okay, I forgot about that part. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, we have talked about that. You're right. Um, and I like Irishmen, clearly. Yes, you but, do. Um, yeah. I uh, like them, too. <laughs> yeah. But um, there is a that scene where, it, in that book with Mikhail, where just about, where they're at the point where they're going to get together. Yeah. Where he's, again, he's pissed off. And and he actually like grabs her by the arms and and lifts her up, yeah, you know, and a lot of her heroes were like that. Yeah. When you when you read them now, you're like, huh, I wonder why that she, you know, but it may be the times. It, yeah, and I think I think that really plays into it because that's kind of what it's kind of what romance novels were back then, you know. Yeah. And you know they're not anymore so much. I mean, some of them are. Oh. I don't read a lot of romance beyond Nora and a few others, but no, they're they're not they're not at all. I mean, okay, I I don't want to say they're not at all because some of them are, you know. I mean, the books it tends with to be more the historicals though, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. so much no the... no. Okay, who was it? I, somebody I don't read, but I but I listened to the Faded Mates podcast. Okay. They were talking about a series, and I can't remember who it was by, but Russians. But it's it was brothers from a Russian mob or something like that, and I guess those guys are very like, you I know, find the series. I guess. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll look it up and I'll and I'll tell you about it because yeah, they were talking about it and they were like, this is a great series, but they did talk about how it was kind of problematic behavior and. It, but they also said, like, you know, in fiction, sometimes I mean, it is fiction. It's fiction for a reason because it yeah. works. I mean, yeah. regardless of whether or not yeah. it's problematic behavior. You don't want your actual husband or boyfriend or, you know, somebody you're dating to be that way. But right. Right. You know, but, you know, it's kind of it's kind of fun to read about. But it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it obviously works. And and um, so in again, in researching this particular episode, I was trying to find people's uh, reviews with the first reading naked. Mm-hmm. And I found this review and I had to. I have to read it and I'm sorry I didn't get uh I didn't get an okay ahead of time, so I hope this is okay with the with the uh reviewer. But she was talking about that scene, right? Mm-hmm. And how there's so much of his um th- so many things that he did in this book that were red flags. Right? Yeah. And she said uh something to the effect of So this is, I'll just read it. Um, Our heroine, Eve Dallas, is as hardcore and as strong a female character as I would expect to find in any recently published novel who lives in a world with legalized prostitution, but who also falls prey to red flags because hot damn, right? (laughs) And and then the next thing, this is what I thought was funny. So because, you know, she she went on and on about red flags and how it was not okay, and so she said Eve falls prey to red flags because hot damn. And then the very next line she writes is, "No, seriously, hot damn, I <laughs> fell prey to like completely." <laughs> and I mean, she's, yeah, yeah, and it's because I mean you have these two characters. I mean. It's not just that. 
it, it, and I told, I was talking to Caitlin about this series and telling her about it. And, you know, I mean, when you talk about it, just, you're not reading it and you're saying, oh yeah, this guy like broke into her apartment and he's manhandled her a couple of times and stuff like that. I mean, she was like, what are you reading? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but when you read it, I mean, you see that. I, and I told her, I think that the difference, the thing that makes it okay for me is that Eve thinks it's okay. Exactly. Eve is not, um, she's not, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? She's not scared by it. It's not, it's not, um, you know. Uh, no, she's not at all. She's very. Um, she doesn't you know, feel unsafe is what I'm trying no, to say. No, she never feels unsafe. Not once with him. And Which is unusual considering her background. Her background. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of an off character thing. Yeah. Um, that I think gets kind of the whole point. Yeah. And that kind of gets delved into a little bit later in the series too. Mm -hmm. Not even really later. It's more kind of an immortal. It gets Mm kind of hashed out and Mm -hmm. you know, why? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, So that's only two books away. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both, it's, it's off character. I think for both of them. It is, it is because Rourke has always been very careful to, you know, stick to his type and, you know, It'd be kind of aloof and keep everything yeah. surface and mm-hmm. you know which yeah. is i think why he was so angry yeah obviously oh, sure. and i and i really think that it, it's because he was so angry that he broke in because i i think a little bit of you know he you you get the idea and maybe it's later in the books that you you kind of get this idea that um he he kind of worked to make himself you know from the criminal to the you know, suave, sophisticated, like, you know, billionaire that he is now. Right. And for some reason she triggered that in him and he was right back where he was the criminal. And I think that might've been what triggered that, you know, breaking into her apartment. Let's just see if I can do it. Like the old days, you know, I'm going to just break in like I used to. And I'm sorry, was that a spoiler? No, I don't no. think so. But but I don't think he really, I mean, it definitely was different than being the criminal because he obviously had access. He had a master key, right? Because he owned the building. I mean, he owned the building. Right. So right. so it's still a violation, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, not well, necessarily well, he's not burglarizing. Act. <laughs> well, I mean, it is kind of an illegal act. I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, I guess. I don't know. That's a gray area, I guess. Yeah. I'm just saying that maybe maybe his being angry kind of brought that that back. And yeah, and that's no, my, maybe that. why that was the motivation for that, you know. But um I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? So, um as I was saying, the uh I I was doing research uh on the book and I found a podcast where they reviewed Naked and Death. And one of the things that they said that I don't I don't feel like I agree with, so I'm going to run it by you guys, is that um, definitely perpetuating the stereotype that sex work stems from a sort of psychological trauma. And I don't I don't get that because no. maybe with Sharon, but with Charles, not at all. No, not Charles and not Georgie. Right. 
or even really what Lola? Lola, are none of them. I didn't. I, I didn't think any of them. And yeah, like I think that Sharon was doing it out of revenge. I mean, she wanted to get back at her family for you know right. what we find out in the end. But right, she, you know, she she definitely just wanted to get back at them. But the rest of them, no, you know, they totally. They they went into it open eyed even. I, I think yeah because I think she she did that purposely because yeah. she was establishing this thing where sex work is is legal. Right, and you know so. like like with Georgie even her daughter explains that you know she just wanted to do it for fun. Right. And, you know she had no trauma. She had no you know she had a good life and well, and and Lola talks about how she dreamt of doing it since she was a kid. Right. Because she felt, right. you know, that that was what her use was in this world or whatever it was. But it wasn't a, a trauma thing. And it didn't even seem like I didn't get the impression that even her family had an issue with it, you know, right. like right. Or that she was kicked out or, or any of that stuff. I felt like she knew from a young age that she wanted to do this as her job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like any job. A lot right. of people know what they want to do, you know, when they're young. And so... Right, and that goes to establishing this as as a as a normal thing. If, right. if it was a normal thing, then you're a kid and you would say, "Oh yeah, that's what I want to do." Like being a fireman is right. a normal thing, right? I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with their statement. Yeah, and they also talked about um, a lot of even work sex being seeming non consensual, which I also don't agree with. I don't get that at all. I don't. So these people are just full of crap. Let's just say that. These people they're, were full of crap. Well, I think they're part of the population where we were talking about, even in this world, where, you know, even though it was legalized in this world, there were still people who viewed it as a bad thing. And I right. think in this case, I feel like they're comparing prostitution of today to the prostitution that's presented in the book. And they're mm-hmm. not they're not seeing that the prostitution, I mean, like, it's like they hear the word prostitution and they immediately have a point of view of it, no matter right. what the book actually says about it or in even, you know, um, innuendo or, you know, it's not something that's basically, it's not talked about as, yep, this is a great profession, you know, now, now it's legal, la, 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 you know, it doesn't say any of that, but it's definitely presented as a legal, a perfectly legal way of making a living. Right. And you right. have to accept that. I mean, it's especially if you're going to be going into a series where you're going to be experiencing these kinds of things, you have to know that this is, this is not a bad thing in their world. Right. Um, maybe it, maybe it just, it, it draw or it, it rides the line of, um, of uh, fantasy a little bit too much for them you know what i'm saying or sci-fi or right right you know futuristic it's too it's rides that line too too much for them you really have to keep in mind that it's all fantasy you know and you can't i mean but even with rourke's problematic problematic behavior you've you've got to kind of keep it in your head that okay this is fantasy this is not like obviously i wouldn't want anybody breaking in my house in real life and if anybody did that with my daughter, I'd say, like, leave him now. You know, <laughs> I don't care how much money he has. Leave yeah. Him. Right. So, but, but if you're, if you're thinking that, you know, this is just, you know, fantasy, then 
anything's yeah. okay. And I think to the point of the non-consensual comment, right. um, I I do I've noticed that there is um, kind of a kind of a push out there, which I mean I guess is okay too, but um, where sex always has to be explicitly consensual. You know, well, consensual and just, you know, consented. It just, you know. Right. The guy has to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, it's it's non-consensual. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. But that's a recent trend of books, you know. Oh, yeah, Prior yeah, yeah. to this. Well, and I it, think it's, but I mean, just, I'm not talking about just in fiction. I'm talking about in real life. I think that there's right. a trend out there that, you know, he's got to ask before he puts right. his hands on you. Right. right, and that's and it may be a recent trend to us, which is when that podcast, maybe that podcast, I mean, podcasts weren't available in '95, right? right? No. So, so perhaps those people are reviewing it with an eye of uh, 2020 what, lens, right? Yeah, like this right. is what we do in 2020, so you know, obviously this wasn't consensual. Um, I, right. I, you know, I, I think I think sometimes it's very, it's very obviously consensual though. Because yeah, you're reading, I don't. I don't. You're reading Eve's thoughts, and <clears throat> right. she is in no way, you know, disturbed or, you know, she wants it. It's not, you know, there's no wiggle room. Right, and and Rourke is, it, you know, for his part, he pushes her a little bit to get the the whole thing. I think about Rourke is that he is there to push Eve out of her comfort zone in so mm-hmm. many ways. Not just that way, but in, in a ton of ways. He continually pushes her out of her comfort zone. Agreed. Absolutely. So the first the first time they had sex and he went and, and um, grabbed her wrists and she like tensed up. And, and I mean, it said that he thought in his head, the first thing he thought was to, to release her, but he didn't. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, maybe that's what he saw. Right. You know how she was reacting. Yes. Yeah, he's very tuned into her reactions, you know, and I think he would have absolutely stopped if he would have, if she would have said no or, yeah, you know, anything like that. As a matter of fact, I think she even told him that she, I mean, she basically asked him for it a little, right. you know, a little bit later after that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like she was, you know, hot and heavy and then said, no, stop. Right. You know. That's not what happened. And even later on, when she gets kind of reprimanded for it, right? Even then, when Rourke tries to apologize for the for it, she says, I am responsible for myself. Yeah, right. And yeah. so and she made you, know, you cannot say it wasn't consensual because she obviously said, I'm responsible for myself here. Yeah. And I made that decision. And if I yeah. didn't want to make that decision, I would have left. Yeah, right. Exactly. He made that choice, and yeah. So I, I don't quite understand. You know, just because there wasn't, you know, she never said, "Okay, I'll have sex with you." I don't think that's non-consensual. Right. I mean, she Uh-oh. clearly consented the whole way. She through. clearly consented. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, other aspects of the book that we could talk about would be Eve's relationship with Somerset. Is being established in this book. <laughs> yes, it is. And I still think Somerset's a dick, but that's... <laughs> I, I, know. I like, I like Somerset. There's a whole contingent out there that love him, but I still think he's a dick. I, I like Somerset. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, he's entertaining, but good Lord, he's mean. And he does get better later on. I agree with that. But he's awful to her in the beginning. He's Oh, awful. yeah, he really is. And it's for no reason other than the fact that, you know, she's not good enough for work. And it's just, yeah. So, so I kind of got the impression now, again, not knowing the history, I mean, not knowing well, that this is why you're here yeah. to give your yeah. impressions. That's right. So, so my, my impression, because I don't, like I said, don't know the rest of the series. It was kind of like he, I mean, and I think it kind of fed into the plot was that he didn't like women. And he certainly didn't like women cops. Mm. Okay. Now, now, I don't know about the don't like women part. Uh, I think it's more don't like cops. It's more cops. It's um, more cops. And you'll find that out later on in the series. But yeah, it's I think it's more cops. Yeah. But I, I do think it's it's not necessarily he doesn't like women. I think it's, it's just that he is used to Rourke being with a certain type of woman. Fancy people. <laughs> True. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, and you'll find there are reasons for it. You know, there's reasons for, you know, why he acts the way he does, but he's still, he's still a douchebag. The first and time he, that she, he took her coat and she was talking about it. <laughs> that always makes me laugh. Yeah. Like picked it up with two out. fingers, like it was a piece of garbage. Yeah. You know, yeah. and later on, you know, she ends up every single time taking it off and throwing it over the newel post of the of the uh, yeah. of the stairs because she knows it pisses him off. Yeah, she does yeah. it purposely. You know, I do love I do love that, you know, there's always there's always an Eve Somerset scene where they, you know, they kind of go at each other. And that's always fun. But and and the best part is later on in the series. Sorry, I'm going to spoil it, Rebecca. Later oh, on in the series. There's a couple of times when she comes home and he's not there and she's like all let not? down. Where is he? I don't understand. <laughs> well, she's all let down because she's she's like readied herself for it. She's got a couple of really good yeah. comebacks and everything. And, and she yeah. walks in and he's not there and she's like, oh, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, it's their I, thing. I kind of like when she confronted him and said, you know, what the heck do you have? What problem do you have with me? Yeah. And his response was, I don't have a problem. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, his, his response was like, you're not the type of girl that I would pick yeah, for him. you're not good enough. Yeah. You're not good enough. You yeah. Know. But, but it was more, it was, it was very, like he, he very much brushed her off. That's for sure. You yeah. know, like, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with you. I just, you know, yeah. I just don't want you around. <laughs> and I also think yeah. too, I think, you know, knowing what happens later, you, you know, and yeah, spoiler alert a little bit here. Um, knowing his relationship with Rourke is more than it seems in the first book. Um, you kind of understand that he and he gets how Rourke feels about her already. Yes. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like a father being like, dude, this girl is not good enough for you. Right. You know, one of those kind of deals. And, you know, right. plus the fact that she's a cop and his feelings for cops and mm -hmm. um yeah it's yeah it's an interesting dynamic that's for mm -hmm. sure i just i feel like the first the first like 20 books or so he's over the top mean and then it gets then he gets a little bit better but yeah you, you know, know what a i few moments in there you know i can't remember what number portrait is um yeah 
I honestly, I think he, I honestly think he, he started turning around prior to that. I think he started turning around in Immortal. Immortal? You think when he, yeah. Rapture. No, 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 no. Rapture. Okay. He starts turning around. Yeah, he does have some moments. Definitely has some moments in there where you see, okay, he's not as bad as, you know, you want to think he is, but. Right. But, yeah. So, and, uh, so also Mavis. I was just going to bring Mavis up because you know my feelings on Mavis in general. Later on in the series, I'm not a huge Mavis fan. Right. She makes me crazy. <laughs> She's just so over the top and I, ridiculous. I always like Mavis, so. And, oh, no, I know. I know a lot of people, most people do. But there's times that she is just so over the top and ridiculous. And I'm just like, you have got to pull it back, sister. You are, <laughs> what are you doing? I think but, it's a juxtaposition between the, you know, ultimate rule follower and, you know, oh, kind sure. of the rule breaker. Yeah. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah, absolutely. But I was just going to say, I forget, I always forget, and it's always surprising how much I love her in Naked. Mm-hmm. I love her in Naked and I love her in Glory. I think that those two books... I love her character. And then she just kind of goes out the rails a little bit. But Okay. And there's other books that I like her in. Like Concealed, is that the one where they kind of where you kind of find out mm-hmm. about her past a little mm-hmm. bit? Really yeah. liked in that one. And I liked her, you know, the you know, spoiler, when she has a baby, that's a, that's always a fun scene. Right. But um <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah, I absolutely love her in this book. I think she's a very good Foil for Eve. Um, right. She, she she comes off as bohemian to me, you know. Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. Kind of yeah. kind of you know barefoot, not really caring. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Doing yeah, whatever she wants, like. And I mean, she just basically gives Eve straight up good advice throughout. Yeah. Right. And you know, instead of right. being flighty and obnoxious, she's actually like, dude, you know. This is what this is what you need to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really actually really like her in this book. Well, except for when Rourke sends Eve the the coffee and Mavis is very disappointed. <laughs> that always cracks me up though. <laughs> A woman yeah. wants sparkle. No, no. <laughs> yeah. No, well, not Eve. No, not and Eve. And he knew that, and that's yeah. why he sent her coffee. Yes. Yeah. Which and is which is absolutely. I mean, that's just, it's the best. It's so great. It's one of those things. Because what's really attractive is because so many guys are so bad at like gift giving. They are. They have no clue what you want. Give you stuff. You're like, when did I ever say I wanted what? So when you come across a guy that actually like knows and and like oh here, even when it's just something like coffee. Yeah. Again, that goes to that whole like this is why we find Rourke attractive. He gets her. Yeah. He gets her. He gets they her. They get each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and now we talk about uh, Galahad. Yes. Totally love the cat the, and the relationship. You know, cats are really unique. Uh, people, you either love cats or you hate cats. Most, I found most people... And a lot of people who think they hate cats actually love cats when they either have one themselves or are forced to have one themselves. Are you looking like, at me? Stop looking at me when you say that. 
I'm going to bring you a kitten. Because you are wrong. I'm going to bring you a kitten. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the thing about... Uh, the thing about cats is they're the the greatness about cats is that they come to you at their on their own terms. And the fact that this cat totally accepts Eve, totally accepts Rourke, you know, that that's really unusual for a cat. So it's so cool to see, like, okay, in my opinion, as a pet person, I realize pets accept you. Because you're good. Like, I would never have somebody in my life that my all seven of my cats thought was crazy, you know, and wouldn't come near that person. Because, right. I mean, yeah, one or two may be skittish or whatever, but, you know, in my, it, that's in my world. But most of the time, cats are skittish in the beginning, and eventually they either like somebody or they just completely ignore that person. And um, and their, their judgment tends to be better than mine. <laughs> Right. So I trust them. So to see the cat accepting the two of them, you're like, oh, this makes me trust these characters more. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, you know, it's true. My silly train of thought, but that's how I feel about it. No, I totally see that. Yeah. You know, what I thought was funny was when I mentioned the cat to you and you were like 60% the way through, but you hadn't gotten to that part yet. (laughs) And you said, oh, yeah. Yeah, Rourke's a cat person, so that I see that right away. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> how do you how do you know Rourke's a cat person? That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Rourke's a cat person. You're like, no, no, he's a cat person. Right. That yeah. makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be well, and you know, being a cat person, maybe I read that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. You know another cat person when you see it. Well, and and the thing is, look at Rourke's personality. He's not He's not looking for somebody to be loyal to him. You know, a lot of people that are dog people tend to, they are looking for some companion that's going to be constant and love, love them unconditionally. And, and work. Speaking of, sorry about that. Speaking of dogs, not that I'm against dogs. Um, That was beautiful. I gotta say. <laughs> My dogs are saying, "What are you saying? I'm not loyal." Your dog yeah. is in. Exactly. Well, I'm not as good as the cats. <laughs> Stop talking about cats. Right. I I think Rourke's personality speaks to not requiring that kind of loyalty. You know. Right. Um, I've no. I mean, in my personal life, I've noticed that that the men that I know that are really into dogs and really don't like cats are usually the men that are looking for someone to just follow their direction. And it could be that they feel out of control at work or they feel out of control in other areas of their life. So they're looking for that devotion and they're looking for somebody who's going to listen to their instruction. Um, Or it could just be that they feel that they get more love because a dog just will jump on you and lick you and love you, you know, when, when they're like that and cats don't do that Um, unless they really love you. I mean, I, I have a couple, I, like I said, I have seven. So I have a few that will greet me at the door when I come in. Um, and I have a few that will mosey in and may say hi to me. <laughs> right. That's you know, but guess. the loyalty, their loyalty is there. It's just different. It's completely right. different. And I, I feel like works character. And I think that's what I picked up on was he doesn't require that kind of submission um, that, that a dog person would, would generally be looking for. 
Yeah, I mean, he doesn't require it from the cat or from Eve. Right. He really doesn't. Right. I mean, just in general, he doesn't seem like he needs it from anybody. Like, and, and he's not looking for anybody's acceptance. Right. He's right. just him. He's going to do him, you know? And, and that, I think that's what I picked up on because uh, that's been my experience with people with pets. Um, yeah. You know, don't get me into hamsters and, you know, ferrets, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. And this couple, this couple couldn't have another, another, pet though because you know they would need a pet that's very independent both of them right can't be there all the time and they've got crazy hours and so and they they question it they question right. even keeping the cat because right. they feel like they don't have i mean both of them are kind of like we you know i i can't keep this thing i need this eve says it i yeah. can't keep it what am i going to do with this cat well, I need most to- likely neither one of them has ever had a pet right ever right right and then they bring this cat home Again, yeah. when the cat is thrown on you, you realize how much you like them. So I'm, I'm you bringing say you that. I'm bringing you, say you that, but I'm- I, I actually have to agree with her because I hated cats until I got a couple of cats thrown on me. Okay. So no, I'm not getting a cat. And she, one of them has since stop. passed away, but the other one is still with us, and she's um, yeah. I'm, yeah. That's it. I'm bringing you a cat. You're not done. Cat. I love Galahad, but I am not getting a cat. I'm just letting you know right now. But, you know, one of my favorite scenes, though, I mean, was is at the end after when Eve is like, thinks she's solved the case and she goes over to Rourke's because, you know, she's going to like kind of celebrate with him and bounce ideas off him. And and he's not there. And, you know, Somerset basically says, oh, what, what, what do you want me to tell him? And she says, tell him I'm taking the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a fantastic. It was just totally not Eve. No, right. I mean, it it is later. Yeah. After this book, after the cat, you know, but the first part of this book, if you had, you know, looked at Eve's character back then, you would have said like, that's not Eve. Eve's not going to pick up a cat and say like, I'm taking this cat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But by the end, she's like, this is my cat. I'm taking it. I think you could read into that when she was doing the, what am I going to do with this cat? You know, I, I need to find him a home. I don't have time for it. I'm not home enough. You know, she was questioning it and, you know, you don't question it. If not somewhere in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I really want to keep this. And you're trying to like reason right. it out in your head. Yes. <laughs> she wanted the cat. Oh yeah, absolutely. She wanted the cat. Yeah. 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 So I think I, even though she, in the beginning, we don't see her as a cat person. I think once, like, again, once the cat is thrown on you, your, your perspective changes, you see a cat differently, you know? And I think also the companionship, you know, when she was living alone in this apartment, right. Or whatever, flat, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, when she's in this, this position, she's alone. And, you know, this is really the only kind of animal she can have because like right. you said, their schedules are crazy mm-hmm. and now she has a companion and a cat gives you that a dog right. does too, obviously, but a cat gives you that as well. Yeah. On their own terms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On their own terms. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, there's a case to be made also that this cat, like even Rourke, both this cat is also a, an orphan. An orphan. Yeah. Right. You know, a lost soul. So both, so all three of them together, you know, make up a little orphan family. And that cat becomes quite the force in the series. Oh yeah. 
yeah, he's he's around. He's well, yeah. Good yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, <laughs> you know, I think I think there is a very universal in the fandom. There's a very universal love for Galahad. You know, every other character, there's, you know, people that like him, people that don't like him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even even Rourke, there's people that don't like Rourke or they don't like Eve. Right. But it's pretty universal that everybody loves Galahad. It's just, yeah. you have to. I mean, if you yeah. don't love the cat, you're just, you're ridiculous and you need to just go away and not read You need to rethink your uh, book choices. <laughs> you need to rethink your life decisions if right. you can't like this cat. <laughs> well, I think I think Nora must be a cat person then. I Does she have a cat? She has two I dogs. She has a cat. She has dogs. She has yeah. a, she's very much a dog person, I think. I, but I think that she's thinking of even Rourke's lifestyle and what yeah. would fit them. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, Galahad it made sense. Yeah. In general, I mean, Galliad's really out of all of her books. She, he's one of the only cats I can think of. Yeah, she's mostly she dogs. She writes dogs a lot. Yes, and yes. he's one of the only cats that I can think of. Yeah. I know there's there's the cat in the what the Three Sisters Island trilogy. Well, she gets know. a cat, but that's not he's not even really a character. It's Any of the trilogies with witches, obviously, cat. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, but the dogs. I mean, I mean, you can. I, you could have a whole discussion on who's your favorite dog in a Nora book. I mean, oh yeah. You know, there's yeah. Mo in the key trilogy and um, yeah. with, I just read the blood brothers trilogy, the lump lump. Yeah. My yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's just, it's interesting that Galahad is one of the very few cats that she writes. Right. She writes them so well. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, he's very much a cat. She's been around. She's definitely been around cats. Yeah, I was gonna say then she obviously has experience with them because oh, definitely. you know. Yeah. yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is this really random scene that was put into Naked and Death, where uh I think Nora was just trying to establish that she's got a daily life as a police officer. And one of her neighbors calls her and says that there's a problem in the Feinstein apartment. <laughs> so yeah. that's a great Scene. Rebecca, what would you like to say about that scene? I just it it just cracked me up. I, I everything about that scene just cracked me up. It was it was random. Um, it's unfortunate if she was trying to establish that she had a daily life um, or that she even had a daily workload because they do reference her daily workload a couple of times. So it's kind of sad that it was a neighbor. Like I kind of feel like it should have been more of a a case that she had to go to. Um, but other than that, the scene was, was awesome. I, I loved, I loved, I loved the wife. She was so funny. And you know, I'm again, was this like is where, queen? yeah, exactly. And this is where I'm going to, again, plug Susan Erickson because she did a fantastic job with Mrs. Feinstein. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't heard it, so I don't know, but yeah, she was, I, I mean, it was, even reading it at the time, I thought, um, how does this fit in? Like, I felt like I thought I had to fit it in somewhere. Yeah, that but it just was random. Like, it was just a yeah. random scene. And you're like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it happens yeah. like that. And it was the same with the, um, I mean, the scene with the uh, the deli with Frank. 
uh, that yeah. that yeah. also is kind of random. Yeah. But it all goes to, you know, Eve's daily life. What is it like? Yeah. You know? And yeah. I kind of feel like the deli, like, I, I feel like the deli uh, worked in easier. Than oh, yeah, the- definitely did. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like that definitely it was it was more of she was, you know, like it fit into what she was already doing. And this random act happened while she was going to get a candy bar, you know, sure. um, whereas when <laughs> the Feinstein's was just out of the blue, like yeah, it was just- all of a sudden she gets this call and she's at a murder scene and you're like, yeah, what you're the? Like, Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they both kind of establish Eve's character in, in different ways. You know, the, the, uh, the scene at the deli, you know, establishes Eve as somebody who will just for fun poke at people. Yeah. I mean, because she calls him Frank when his name's Francois and she knows she hates yeah. He hates her yeah. calling him Frank. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so you see that part of Eve's character. But um, on the other hand, with, with the, the scene with Mrs. Feinstein or Feinstein, you're kind of seeing more of Eve's like, like more, I guess, softer side, more caring side. Cause she was really very gentle with Mrs. Feinstein. You yeah. Know? I think you're right. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it does kind of give to her, kind of why she's doing what she's doing it's not just for revenge or it's not just for you know because she felt weak she needed a position where she felt strong um you kind of see she really does care about people it's not just it's not just the challenge of that job but that she genuinely cares about people yeah and you know that's why it's so crazy to me that so many people i feel that i've heard talk about this this uh series if they don't like eve um yeah. miss that in yeah, her in her personality i mean it, it comes up every book you know i think it comes up every book i and think they miss it somehow i agree well if, you know if you're if you're again the overall i guess the overall feel of the book is you know that was kind of just a random act like it didn't it didn't quite fit in. I, I see it in, in the big picture as a whole, but how many people are really reading a book or reading a series and trying to dive into, you know, the, the whys of, of a person it's, I like this care character because they did this. It's not, it's something that they, they pick up through the, the advancement of the story that wasn't really advancing the story. It was just kind of a sideline or like a, a distraction um, kind of in, within the story. Both of right. those things actually were kind of, yeah, they're part of her daily life yet yeah, kind of establishes her, but as a whole, that's not, that's not what you see of her. Right. So I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, but I do feel that it was, it was a great scene and it definitely needs to be um, considered you know, people, people need oh, to yeah. look for it when they're reading it, you know, because I, I just thought it was hilarious. I yeah. love this. Yeah. yeah. And you, know, you really can't blame Mrs. Feinstein. I mean, no, be honest. Poor Mrs. You can't blame one bit. Yeah. Well, poor Mr. Feinstein too. <laughs> yeah, poor, Mr. Feinstein. So. <laughs> poor Mr. Feinstein. <laughs> he just wanted a custard pie. He that's just all. Wanted the pie. <laughs> I, 
didn't murder him. I told him not to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, I, I really wish that that defense worked for her. You know, <laughs> I just really want that defense to work for her. And I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of got the feeling that Eve was giggling like we are. <laughs> right, exactly. I, you know, I, you know most because, of she, time, because of her. Because of her sarcasm, right? You kind right. of you kind of get the impression she's kind of like oh, holding it in too. Exactly, like, you know, she's not wrong. Every yeah, exactly. And every other like murder suspect, Eve's usually like, let's put him in a cage, you know. And right. I'm sure that she's it, with Mrs. Feinstein. She's just like us, going like, I I really hope that defense works for you, and then you get off. I really do, because <laughs> you're a nice lady and. I can kind of understand. You told him not to eat the pie. <laughs> you told him not to eat the pie. I mean, you know, she told oh, him. So. She, she told him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Great scene. Great. I, I loved this, guys. I, this was great. And it's awesome. definitely out of my comfort zone. So it's. See, it's been a weird question you have. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we all need to be pushed out of our comfort zone a little bit. Right, right. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Um, Well, that was good. That was a good discussion. I feel it was a great discussion about this book. So what I'm going to do now is uh, we've got a couple of listener comments. So I'm going to read them. Um, Sophia on Podbean said of the first when we dropped the first episode thank you for this i've been wishing for this forever which you know kind of like oh that's a little bit of it's pressure pressure well (laughs) you know i mean pressure pressure right and on on twitter mk said just finished the first episode really enjoyable and gonna start naked in death this weekend looking forward to the next episode and that's kind of what we were hoping that people would hear this and start reading the series so that's fantastic also we did a trivia question and that got answered by hearts lioness books on instagram so the question was what does ircca stand for because they never say do they say rebecca IRCCA. They say it several times, and they never explain what it is. No, I don't. I don't recall it being explained. So, um, sorry, Hertz Lioness Books uh, on Instagram said the answer is International Resource Center on Criminal Activity. That is what IRCCA stands for, and she was correct. So, good job. So, next trivia question. I'm gonna stick with naked. And I found that hopefully this is, uh, you know, people out there, they're going to know right away. But maybe this is challenging for some of you who haven't read Naked for a while. But anyway, so sticking with Naked and Death, what was Mrs. Feinstein doing when her husband died? That's your next trivia question. So that um, is a really good one. I like it. uh, So. You know, uh, send us a message. Like we said the last episode, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on, we're not on Facebook. We are not on Facebook. But you can send us an email at show at podcastanddeath.com. 
You can also call our number and I'm going to give it out again. And then hopefully I'm not, you know, because last time it was after we admonished people about the spelling of Rourke and then couldn't remember the spelling when I, when I went to say the number, but so you can call us and leave a message at two zero five four Rourke two zero five four R O A R K E. Right. Did I do it right that time? You did. Fantastic. <laughs> and okay. So that's a wrap. All right. So thanks to both of you. And uh, we'll be here next time. Next ep- episode, we're going to be talking about technology. Yes. This is our technology and death yes. episode. It's so that's we'll, that'll Vela. be episode number three, our, our Pod Vela. Yes. Uh, <laughs> episode number three. So um, stay tuned for that. And that's it for Podcast and Death. This is AJ. This is Jen. And this is Rebecca. And. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Rebecca Moore, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This podcast and all of our previous podcasts are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast in Death on Twitter and Instagram. But no, we don't have a Facebook page. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-4-ROARK. That's 205-4-ROARK. Thanks again for listening. And from all of us here at Podcast in Death, Slam Gafol.